Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. last one of the year for 2020 it's been a long golf season as it always is we're gonna get a couple weeks off and then we'll start back up in january i am ben raza that is tim frank fantasy golf man tim we've made it uh i enjoyed the week off i'm gonna enjoy the little december break but i also i'm gonna enjoy mayakoba I-, I believe you like this tournament right the fifth major is what i like to call uh, it. the fifth major mayakoba classic one of the Best and most prestigious tournaments we have. Uh, really, some real all-time great golfers have won here. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I didn't mind the week off. There's some real sickos out there that, like, just literally can't live without golf for a week. Uh, I would I would tell those people to get into some college football, college basketball. 100%. So, yeah, week off's not bad. little break in December. Um, but, yeah, one of the best tournaments of the year to, to, to end it off here. Yeah, we got college hoops are in full swing. Maui, even though they're playing in North Carolina, college football. We got some big teams uh, who are non-COVID. The betting side of those sports are great. We got shows. uh, We got slack for all that. But we are going to stick to golf. Here, I do want to say right off the top, I got to see all the regulars in there. If you don't subscribe to the channel, no better time to do it than right now. You click the notification bell so you can watch shows like the college football show that half the world doesn't even know exists. But it's a good one. Uh, you'll get notified anyway. Most important thing I asked you right before the show, what happened to OHL? I'm so used to calling this the OHL. I think it's one of those things like the Shell Houston Open is once it becomes synonymous with the tournament, they don't have to write the check anymore and they still get the free pub and everyone just continues to call it the OHL. It's genius. It is. It really is. It's just like, yeah, the Shell Houston Open. Shell Shell hasn't sponsored that tournament in 10 years, but we still call it the Shell Houston Open. Before we dive into Mayakoba, uh, I, I don't really want to spend a ton of time on RSM. It's a course that, again, we got split courses. Six of six was very low. Any thoughts, any takeaways? I know it was a couple of weeks ago. You know, I mean, I think it's we've seen a lot of events. This is a really similar event. It's not on a two-course rotation, but the course is similar and, you know, I think we see similar fields and we've talked about this a lot as these tournaments just tend to be more wide open when you have a weaker field at a course that um, limits the bombers. I think it just makes it a little it makes it a lot more wide open. Um, and also we, we've seen it, you know, these older guys, we, we think the young guns are going to get it done. And it just seems like the older guys that have come through that have won events before Robert Streb, Stuart Sink, Brian Gay, et cetera. Um, and, and this tournament is really similar to the RSM. So it is, there's a lot of similarity, a lot of these swing season events, um, you know, it's not bombers paradise. Some are, but we, we see this and I, I, I like a feel like this and listen, let's just dive into it. We'll start with uh, the chameleon, uh, El chameleon golf club, whatever it's called down, down in Mexico where, We've seen this course a lot. Uh, It's a staple of this event. It's pretty standard. Uh, It's short, I I would say, par 71, Tim. But what do you make of it? It's certainly not going to restrict guys who don't hit it far. I think that's a given. Yeah, 7,000-yard, par 71, past Palom Greens, which we don't see a lot. Um, The old CIMB had them. I think they're similar to Bermuda. Um, but it's your typical short coastal track, um, you know, similar to a Harbor Town or a Sony. 
Um, and if you look at the guys that have had success here, you see a lot of overlap with a place like Harbortown. Uh, Brendan Todd, Matt Kuchar, Matt Kuchar won at Harbortown. Patton Kazire, terrible off the tee, great approach game, you know, good putter. Um, Graham McDowell won at Harbortown, won at almost every short coastal track there is. Um, Brian Gay won at Harbortown. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just a, you kind of have a similar profile of winners here, guys that don't rely on distance, uh, guys that have strong approach games, guys that are good putters. Um, and, I, and I think you just tend to see that in a lot of courses um, like this. But, you know, like we've always said, it's the most talented players in the world can compete anywhere. The distance isn't a disadvantage, but just some of the advantage is, is mitigated if I can steal your line. Yeah, uh, listen, I think that's what the conclusion we've come to after seeing, you know, the best player, we talk about this often, the best players in the world hit it far. And sometimes it makes people think that it's a bomber's course when it's just a, I mean, they're all courses that are going to fit those guys. So I'm taking a lot away from that. I think your roundabout way is saying that you want to play Wesley Bryant, your whole monologue there. Um, yeah, I, I read you. I, read I, mean, you but- I mean, 2015 was like pornography for me. Three-way playoff between Graham McDowell, Jason Bone, and Russell Knox. I mean, it just it like fest. I just I just I just fire that up sometimes just to watch it. Uh, just amazing golf. Uh, doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, that's the ticket. Um, well, let's hope that's not a- any repeat of that. This week will be a cruel end <laughs> for the golf golf year for us. And like I said, we get a couple of weeks off, and then we start back up uh, in Hawaii tournament champions. And maybe there'll be a little Euro. Maybe we'll sneak that in. But let's get to it. We've got some big names here. It's not to say this is just a completely Bermuda-like field. We've got JT. We've got Brooks, Finau, Berger, Harris English. They are the north of 10K prices here on DraftKings. You've got Brooks and JT, 11K and up, which is pretty standard. I think this is probably how it should fall. What were your impressions uh, when you saw the pricing? Yeah, I mean, pretty easy for me uh, with, I would say, you know, Brooks kind of goes in and out of that elite category. Right now, I'd put him out, you know, like G, like the big five, big four, JT, DJ, Rom, Rory. So really, I mean, it, it's kind of like JT at the top, a lot of question marks with Brooks. Um, but, you know, JT is going to be the popular starting point. Um, he's played great. T12 or better his last five events. He's only lost strokes, ball striking in one event one event since the restart. Um, you know, and I've always liked JT, I, I guess when everything's equal with the elite players, I feel like he's the most well-rounded. I think he's the most or the best suited for shorter tracks. We've seen him win at Sony. We've seen him win at Honda, two comparable courses to this. Now, you know what, he's an elite player, so we don't make too much of that, but he's got it done at tracks like this. And he's not a guy that relies uh, like Rory or Rom on just mashing off the tee. Like he can work his way around these courses um, but all that being said, I think he's going to be easily the most popular play at the top. But I like him. I always like him. He's he's kind of dialed in. Another reason I like him, though, is I think there's a lot of value down the board in the low 7K range. So it doesn't it doesn't hurt you too much to play JT. I'm not opposed to going to Brooks, who's played well, seventh at the Masters, fifth at Houston. Um but, you know, it just seems like a lot more risk involved with Brooks. You never know what you're going to get. JT is just so consistent. Um, whether it's a strong field, weak field, big event, small event, it seems like he brings it all the time. And I don't want to get too narrative-based, but that just seems to be the case. Brooks is a, a lot more volatile, and you kind of never know what you're going to get. Um, I wouldn't mind going to Brooks, but, I mean, I think it's it's really easy um, for me with JT at the top, just being so much more consistent. I mean, there's no doubt that he's clearly the, the safest, the most consistent. The guy rarely, if ever, finishes outside the top 20. And in events like this, we've talked about this a lot. It came up with Webb. Um, when you can have a, a winner that can come from anywhere, JT has a lot more room. And, and that consistency is an added bonus. Because if the top end placement points are taken by somebody saying nobody has, well, then you're, you're just more and more becomes stability. And, and JT just rarely, if ever, is going to kill you. Brooks, of course, he's a world-class player. He should easily make this cut like they all should. But we've seen him struggle, obviously, with the injuries and just the volatility. So I, I do think JT is by himself. Are you going to give the same feeling that you always do when you see Finau price this high, that this is not a major? You like to more target him on tougher tracks, tougher fields? 
Yeah, I think so. You know, I just outside of JT, I, I really don't love anybody above 10K. Um, I think there's a lot of question marks. And with Finau, yes, it's the same thing that we've always seen. He just, this is not the spot that he excels in. He's better at tougher tracks, longer tracks, when he's cheaper, uh, strong fields. And in the last couple of times out, he just hasn't been uh, great. 38th at the Masters, 24th at Houston. So, I mean, 10-7, that's pretty steep for a guy that traditionally hasn't played well in events like this and, and doesn't come in all that hot. I mean, he's been fine but it's not like he's firing on all cylinders and we just think, wow, this might be the spot for Finau. Um, Berger, I don't like at all. Negative ball striking in three of his last four. I, I feel like he's really uh, cooled off, even though the finishes have been okay. Um, and we're never paying uh, five digits for, for Harris English ever. Both of those things are correct. Yeah. Ber- Berger is, he's been tough. He, he's really been leaning on the putter a lot. I don't hate the the course for him per se. I just, at the same time, I think I'd rather find the money to go up, even to Finau over him, uh, if yeah. I had to. Harris English is playing well. I just think, again, a little overpriced for my taste. Been doing a lot with the putter. Again, I'm broken record. I would rather get up to JT, to Brooks, to Finau, or we could bump because there's a lot of guys, anything else before, when we dive into the nines here, do you, do you want to put a bow on anything or are we no, got, I, I mean, in order of, of my preference, I would put them literally in the order where they are priced JT easily. If I wanted to be contrarian, I would go Brooks. If you told me I couldn't play those two by default, I'd play Finau and I just hate burger and English. I'm actually with you. Uh, that's how I would order them. I, I will say just clicking around right now, if you wanted to, it's a little tricky to double up there. So just JT and Finau, it's going to leave you basically with flat seven for the other four spots. It's doable. You just really need both of them to carry the weight for, for your team. Um, so that that's all. I, I don't think it's – in a field like this, you can do it. I just don't think it's the optimal way to go about it given the field because I really like this 9K range, and let's get to it. We've got guys like Answer, Hovland, Ricky, Henley, Will Z, Neiman, Connors. To me, they easily could be interchangeable with the lower half of the 10K. I know it's only a couple guys, but guys like Answer, uh, Neiman to me, I, I like them a lot. They stick out immediately. Yeah, this is a great range. It, honestly, you could make a case for anyone in this range. I would say, unfortunately for you, I think Ricky might, might be my least favorite play in this range. He just seems to kind of be all over. I don't even think he's all over the board. He just hasn't been good. And I, I, I don't know if I'd pay 9500 for him. Uh, answer has been solid. Um, good course history here. Hovland, I always like. I just don't know if this is the course for him. I, I don't know. What, what do you think? I mean, I feel like he excels better on longer courses where he can uh, gain strokes off the tee. I mean, he's a great approach game player too. Um, but I don't know. What Are you feeling Hovland at this type of a track? I mean, I, I don't think it's the greatest setup for him. I will say that speaking to the other side of it, I think Hovland is good enough that he can win anywhere. Uh, and he showed this a little at Heritage this year. Gained 6.1 T to green, and he lost uh, with the short game and the putter. Obviously, I would prefer him where he can really be aggressive and use what is his biggest advantage. So he's behind guys like Answer because I think Answer's game's a little more well-rounded. Neiman, same way for me. But I, I don't think that pedigree-wise, I think you can still back Hovland, even though it's not the best course, is what I'm saying, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I can feel that. I think for me, the lower nines is, is really where I would um, zero in on. I mean, you know, Henley continues to play well. At 9,300, he's still a little bit more expensive than we were when we were really hammering him uh, a few weeks back, maybe six, eight, ten weeks ago when he was in the mid-sevens. But, I mean, this is a perfect course for him. He's won at Honda. He's won at Sony. He's gaining just every single week with approach. We know the putter can get hot. So I don't mind him at 9,300. I think the price is still a little bit elevated, but that's just, we're going back to when he was 7K, 7,500. But he's just played so well for such a long time. Um, I don't mind Zalatoris, but for me, honestly, at 9K and 9,100, I think Neiman and Connors are the best plays in the 9K range. Neiman, uh, 44th at RSM. not great. A little bit positive with the ball striking, but prior to that, he was in uh, top 30 or better 
in his last six starts. Uh, he gained at least seven and a half strokes with the ball striking in three of those starts. That's been good. Um, and Connors has been really, really good. Back-to-back top tens, 10th, 10th, 24th, and 8th. Um, he gained nine strokes with the ball striking in RSM, and that's only in three measured rounds. Uh, decent ball striking at Houston. Decent ball striking at Zoizo. Played good at the Masters. So I like him, too. A lot of good plays in the 9K range for me. I'm just going to default to the guys at 9K and 9,100 just because I, it, it's tough and I'll take the savings, but I think they're the two. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Best place at the bottom. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. Obviously, we don't have shot data from this course, so... Looking over that, but what we can tell, Connors has been playing really good golf. Neiman is someone, you know, he had the COVID issue, couldn't play in the Masters. I don't, I have no idea if that affected him at RSM, obviously. Maybe he just didn't play great. I'll go right back to him. Will Z's the toughest one for me. I, I think he's certainly in play. I'm probably going to have exposure. It's going to be an ownership thing. I don't know. I can't imagine he's too popular just by the product of the other names here. And he, he's shown, I mean, he handled Bermuda. It was a weak field. He's, he's had some interesting finishes and quality finishes on coastal tracks and whatnot. I still don't think we know a lot about him, though, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, he's been good. I, you know, I, I don't think he'll garner as much ownership as he had, um, you know, when he was, when they were playing in really weak fields. I think there's a lot of names here, and I think ownership's going to get spread out in this range. But I mean, I mean, he's been so good. 16th at Bermuda. The ball striking at Shriners was really good. He missed the cut at Safeway, but struck it well. He was 8th at Punta Cana. He gained 9.3 ball striking at the U.S. Open. And then prior to that, he's just racking up top 10s on the Corn Ferry Tour. So he's been good, not opposed to Zalatoris at all. I don't think he'll have that astronomical ownership that we've seen him have at a couple of the events when he was right out of the gate and, and uh, you know, kind of like the shiny new toy. Yeah, I think he's in a range that there's a lot of names. I do want to ask you, what, what, where do you put Ricky in this range? Do you have any interest? I know that the game is not in good shape. Uh, what are your thoughts on him, though? Yeah, you know, I think he's my least favorite play in this range. I mean, I, I'm a Ricky guy, but it just hasn't really been there for him. You know, he was okay at the Masters, T29. But besides that, you know, prior to that, the ball striking – just hasn't been good. The finishes just really haven't been there. Um, and he seems like he's kind of been all over the board. So it's really hard to trust in a range where there's a ton of guys. who I think are, uh, you know, good plays more consistent, just as much or more win equity than he has. I mean, it's just tough. 29th at the masters, uh, negative ball striking at Zoizo and the CJ cup. Um, missed the cut at the Shriners. I mean, you have to go back to the U.S. Open where he actually struck it well. So, and, and then prior to that, it wasn't good. So he's no, I'm not a fan of Ricky this week. The game is is all over the map. There's no denying it. The thing that I I will say is that Ricky on paper, and again, if you don't think he's the same player, and he has shown that maybe he isn't, uh, that's obviously a gigantic concern. But what he does naturally, I think he can club down here, and if he can just hit these greens. It used to be, oh man, putting contest, 15th, like Ricky drains him. He has a runner up here. I'm not going to say I'm going overweight on him per se, but I, I will, in the betting market, I actually looked at him 28 to one. And it's a perfect time to mention me and Josh Ingleman, the man behind the glass. We actually put out a contenders video this morning with three bets, uh, three outrights that we were pretty interested in. And Ricky is in that video. So uh, go check that out. Certainly worth your while. It's just a crowded range, though. I, I have Neiman ahead of him. I have Connors ahead of him. I have Answer ahead of him. Uh, and it sounds like you're plenty of other guys you'd rather go to. Yeah. You know, from DK's standpoint, I, I don't have a lot of interest. Um, you know, as an outright, it's funny because you say 28 to 1. I mean, he's probably been shorter than that to win majors recently. Isn't <laughs> so. it crazy? <laughs> so, nice. yeah. it's uh. 
you know, it, it is a good course for him. Uh, doesn't rely on his length, has a good short game. Um, but boy, it's just been tough. He seems like he's been all over the board. Yeah, I mean, he has. It's just, it's been tricky. Um, all right, here we go. $8,000 range. To me, there's a drop-off. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of names, and I'm not saying that I, I can't play these guys, but from Connors to Ortiz, Horschel, Leishman, Brendan Todd, Munoz, Harmon, Grio, Woodland, tour regulars, but to me, not the same caliber of player when you factor in recent form and just how these guys have been trending. Yeah, let's not mince words. This is a bad range. Okay, that's um, fair. I wanted you to say it, so if someone uh, wins well, so, you know, I have this rap as the guy that doesn't like anyone anyway. I just say I'm a very negative person. Um, but I'll, I'd say there's guys in the low seven range that I would play maybe at the same price as some of these guys in the AK range. Um, boy, Ortiz coming off the win has a good course history. 8,900 seems ridiculous. Billy Ho has not been playing that well. Leishman was a guy before the pricing came out, I thought, well, maybe this is a sneaky leash spot. T13 at the Masters, he's a guy I'm kind of always looking to play. Um, doesn't necessarily need to be in great form. Kind of can The form kind of comes and goes with him, but I don't know, 8,700 is uh, a lot steeper price tag than I guess I was expecting. Um, boy, it's, for me, Harmon and Grillo, or I'm sorry, Harmon and Munoz. Yeah, I know you're shaking your what? head. Yeah, no, we'll get to Grillo. Sorry. Harmon and Munoz, I get, I think are interesting because I think they're both great course fits. They both had been playing really well. They both have been striking the ball well, and they both missed the cut at RSM, which to me is not that big of a deal. It's one event. We only have shot link data for one of the two rounds of the missed cut. So it's hard to really kind of ascertain what went wrong. But both of those guys, you're looking at like eight plus weeks of really good golf um, and, and and positive ball striking. So I'm not ready to just abandon uh, uh, those guys based off of one missed cut. So I wouldn't mind going back to either of those guys. But this range is just not – it's not for me. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. So I'll start with Leishman. I think he's wildly overpriced. I think he's an interesting bet though. He's 55 to one in the outright market. And that's the type of guy who can turn it on. I think the, the miscut equity is too high to really go there in a big way in DFS, but 55 to one in a field like this for a guy that good to me is more than reasonable. Yeah. I like that. All right. Harmon. One thing to point out and chat. This is why I love each and every one of you sharp people in there have pointed out that Brian Harmon is the min on FanDuel. So over there, I think you probably just use him because you might want to play him. Yeah, you, you should do that. He's seven k over there. That's just that's just a misprice. Doesn't make any sense here. Obviously, a more reasonable tag. I think he's fine. I'm going to where I always go. You've got to like him though, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I I do like him. Um, just he just continues to strike it well every single week. And especially at these courses, the shorter courses, he really excels at. Now, I, I can't say I'm in love with him because I, we just feel like we have the same old thing. And, and it felt like a little bit of the same at the RSM, where just every time you think you're going to get like the really smash performance out of him, he figures out a way to yeah, figure out a way to get to end up a T18, T20, T30, wherever it is. Um, but yeah, the price is good. Strikes it great. The course fit is awesome. And he's consistent. I mean, that's another that's another thing. He's so consistent. Um, it's kind of like you know what you're going to get out of him, and we're just waiting for just one of those weeks for him to pop, um, maybe run a little bit hotter with the putter or hot at all with the putter, maybe just not be awful um, and get inside the top ten. Yeah, and the good thing about Grio is that if he is ice cold with the putter – it's not to say he's done. Uh, he yeah. probably doesn't give you a top 10, but he can come in 30th. And that's, that's, that's where he lives. Tenth. He's just, I, that's, that's, that's what you're going to get. His, his, his floor is a T30 and losing six strokes putting. Yeah. So I'm very comfortable with him. This is a phenomenal course for him. The course history is good. It should be. There's no reason he shouldn't uh, really excel here. All systems go in all formats. I got to talk about one guy. Is it Woodland? 
No, I mean, I don't know where that – he looked – did you see the picture of him at the Masters? He looked like he had a like an incurable disease or something. It looked like he <laughs> lost like 60 pounds or something. He looks terrible. He's just – he's hurt, obviously. But, yeah, who? Um, Kazire? Pat and Kazire. I mean, I think he's a guy that people are going to go to um, – <sighs> Because the, the finishes have been good, 10th, 11th, 24th. He has a win here. The course sets up great. I mean, he lost almost five strokes with the ball striking in only three of the measured rounds. We don't even know what he did at the plantation course. So he was really – it was – I mean, and that's kind of what he does. He's a little bit Snedeker-esque. Um, but, boy, I, I would have a real problem playing a guy that struck it that poorly his last time out who I think people are going to gravitate to because the price isn't bad and you look at three really good finishes in a row but man he can be really bad with with off the tee and with the irons yeah he's a dangerous guy and I I think the difference also is that you know there, there was talk of him at a couple spots but he was not even remotely close to this type of price for a guy that misses a lot of cuts um in tournaments, you know, listen, when we're trying to beat 100,000 people, he's got a skill set. He's a winner. I would rather take dart throws on some of the other names. I do want to ask you before we move to the sevens, this guy has actually, I think, quietly been playing okay, but he hasn't played as much. Did you look at Joel Dahman? Uh, I did. I think um, course fit, good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm just not a huge Dahman guy. And I, and I, kind of would put him in the same boat as a lot of these guys in the AK range. I just think there's guys for cheaper that I would consider equal or better players just straight up in a vacuum um, or at least comparable to him. So I'm, I guess I'm just not in love with the price, but I wouldn't be opposed to playing Diamond. Yeah, I, I do think, you know, he was sixth here last year. He's got some comps that I like. I'm not running to it. I don't, I don't think this is like the, like if you told me, Oh, Dahman's going to win, I would say, Oh, it's going to be a Mayakoba. I'm not saying that by any stretch. He could be low owned. It's a dead range. I don't have much to say on the range, but I, I don't think he's a priority nonetheless, but I did want to bring him up at least. Yeah. I mean, just, I'm just looking at his ball striking numbers and nothing really. He was like plus two at RSM, which is good for three rounds. But I mean, you go back to Zoizo, CJ Cup, slight negatives, you know, plus three at Shriners, and it's the cut at the U.S. Open, plus 1.5 at Safeway. You know, nothing there is really catching my eye where I think, wow, he's really playing better than the finishes would indicate, and that's kind of the stuff that I look for. So yeah, I don't think I'll be playing Dobbin. Before we get to the 7K range, I do want to say a couple different things. One, you guys know the drill. Uh, we got a good for, – for the last tournament of the year – Still a nice crowd in here. I'm going to ask for some likes, pump up that number, keep it going. Also, as you know, tomorrow night, live before lock, uh, me and Jason Rosen will get into it, answer your questions, chat if there are specific lineup construction. You know, we'll talk about that, weather issues, uh, just little things to make the difference. The other thing I want to say from all you guys, it's been an awesome year. I'm going to say that again at the end, but if there is something on the show or just in general, that, you're, that you say, you know what, I, I don't see a show that does this. We want this. Let me know. Let Tim know. Tweet at us. If you do it in a shady way, uh, do that to Tim. If it's nice saying, like, you guys are awesome, but you know it would make it even better, then you tweet to me. Uh, we'll try to implement it. We want to make the show even better for 2021. Got a lot of plans to do that. But just know that, you know, you guys, certainly the audience, we, we want to make sure you're getting the best information here. Anyway, 7K range. A lot of names. Let's start with the top, though. Scott Piercy, Norin, who just frustrates me, Adam Long, HV3, Keegs, Chez, Knox, Straka, a lot of different types of players, but I think a lot of useful targets here. Yeah, there's a lot of guys in the 7K range that I like, um, and it's probably going to be why I may not even play anybody from the 8K range. Uh, we'll start with three at the top of the sevens. Uh, you know, Piercy at 7.9, I've been playing him. He's just been playing really really well top 20 in three of his last four starts the ball striking has been good the course history is good and this isn't a course where I would think when you think of Scott Piercy I don't know I would think of places like career builder or some of those uh, courses out west like birdie uh, birdie fest but uh, he's played well here Um, I just lost it oh uh, 26 6th 4th 16th and a 20th that's all in his last six starts here so good course history just playing solid, striking it well. 
Adam Long, I really like at 7,800, uh, 30th and 11th in his last two starts, but the ball striking really good, plus 5.4 at RSM, plus 4.3 at Houston. He's made 11 of his last 12 cuts. Um, so playing consistent and kind of trending upward as far as the ball striking goes. So I really like that. He was second here last year. I don't make too much of that. If anything, I wish he hadn't finished second. I don't know if that's going to affect ownership too much, but it may draw a couple extra eyes to him. And Keegan at 7,700, he is, I mean, it, it, it's the same thing with him as always. The putting has been. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Atrocious. But the ball striking has just been absolutely phenomenal. 15th at RSM. Gained seven strokes off the tee and on approach, and that's only in three rounds. He's one of those guys where he, when he makes the cut, the ball striking is good. And even when he misses the cut, it's been phenomenal. Like at Houston, he missed the cut, but he gained 4.4 with the ball striking. And so it was all putter. Uh, plus 3.8 at CJ Cup. Missed the cut at Shriners, but he gained almost three strokes. So even, even the events where he misses the cut, I mean, the off the tee and on approach has been really good. And he's another guy who I wouldn't think of this as being a Bradley or a Keegan Bradley track, but 15th here in 2017, 8th here in 2016. Um, for 7,700, I mean, you just need a little bit out of the putter, um, and, and he can have a really good week. A lot to unpack there. A couple things. One, some nice words from chat. We appreciate the regular Scott and all the crew. Uh, we're going to make the show good. Jordan with the super chat, and for not mentioning Hostler, I do what I can to steer this ship. Uh, I want to start with Adam Long. Who you mentioned, not only is he playing sec- secretly good, one, in fields, I believe, of this caliber, he was up in the 9K range not that long ago. Two, at RSM, he came in 30th. He lost six strokes putting. The ball striking has been there. This is a guy, he was on the short list for me of guys that won, and I was just like, we are never going to see this guy again. Like, he's just going to be living on the exemption, not going to be relevant. He has backed it up. He has... Runner-up finish here, a handful of top 10s. Very impressive. What you said about Keegan, so this is, we've talked about this on the show before. Keegan is one of these guys. He's going to lose strokes putting very often. When he gains strokes putting, though, it's rarely like he gains 0.5. He has huge putting weeks. They're just very infrequently, and that is why he has crazy upside. Uh, Sanderson Farms, he had lost in 10 straight events putting, and then he gained three strokes putting there which is sizable for a guy like that, comes in fourth. He does that frequently. I kind of like that. Uh, I don't envision this as a course like you talked about, but I think that's okay. What do you make of guys like Knox, though, like in Norin? Are, are those two – are they too weak off the tee? I said never again with Knox at RSM. Oh the guy just – I don't know what what is going on um, with him. But, I mean, this is, again, it's a perfect course fit. Um and he's actually been striking it well, and I believe I'm looking for the numbers. Yeah, I mean, and in his one round at the Seaside course, he was plus uh, 1.2. Um, boy, it's just tough for me because I think there's a lot of really good plays in this range with guys that are playing consistent, trending upward. The ball striking is going in the right direction where there's like a lot of good pointers for a lot of guys in this range. Him, there's a lot more red flags, unknowns. And I don't know. He's he's burned me a lot, so I I don't think I'm going to get to him this week. But I mean, the course fit couldn't be better, as as evidenced by his good course history. But you know, yeah. I mean, 
So the course fit couldn't be better. We're just asking ourselves, I mean, there's a lot of courses that really fit him and he has not performed. Yeah, it, it feels like, I kind of feel like we've seen this spot a couple times we have. since the restart where it's like, oh, you know, he looks like he's piecing it together. If you kind of read between the lines, the ball striking has been okay. And we're looking for him to pop here. And then like the three times we've been in this spot, he's just falling flat on his face. Yeah, I mean, it's not to say he hasn't shown flashes. He has. like, But it's never in the spots where you think it's going to be. That makes it difficult. Now, I don't know if burning everyone at RSM will deviate ownership. And that's something we're going to explore tomorrow night because I'm not going to rule him out just yet. It's just been very frustrating. And the skill set's not translating. Straka, Benny on is down here. Streelman, Kirk. All reasonable guys. I mean, do you have a preference? Do you go with the short irons with a guy like Streelman or the wild man can't putt Benny on? Oh, boy. You know, I, I don't think I'm a fan of any of these guys. I think there's guys, <clears throat> excuse me, lower in the 7K range. I mean, to me, it would be Straka. I guess he's the guy. I, I tend to like, if I'm undecided, I go with a guy that I've kind of just been longer on. I don't know if that's the right approach, but I look at it. It's like, oh, yeah, I've been long on Straka. I've been playing Straka a lot. We'll go back to him. But um, no, none of these guys really popped for me when I was looking at the finishes, when I was looking at the stats. Um, would much rather get up to Keegan, get up to Long or Piercy, or go down to some of the guys in the lower seven range. Chris Kirk, for me, is playing good enough golf that I think he's worth considering. Uh, 18th at RSM, he's made five of six cuts, positive in the ball striking in every one of them. I, I will say sometimes it masks it when you miss the cut at the at events that don't have strokes gain data because I don't see the bad numbers. Like he missed at Corrales. I don't know what he did, though. So keep that in mind. I, I'm certainly not running to the window for Chris Kirk. It's just a weak range. Uh, Sabatini is in there. Do you have interest in him? He's 12th at RSM. Can't get that guy right. I don't think I've ever played uh, Sabatini. I mean, I literally don't know if I've ever played that guy. It's honestly true, Chad. Benyon is the most consistent putter in golf. Like, he rarely deviates from what he does. It's just very, very bad. Um, Are we going to clear the table for Doug Gimweek or? Yeah, I mean... So this is a guy that you, unlike Knox, there has been a couple prime spots for Doug Gim. And lately, he's responded. At RSM, he was great coming off of Bermuda. Sky's the limit for this guy. We've, I've said this a lot. I don't think it's unreasonable. I'm not saying he is. But is it that crazy to think that he could ultimately end up better than a guy like Will Z? No, I don't think that's crazy at all. Like um, This the ownership's really going to be there on Gim this yes, week. Yes, it is. Um, it has a lot of feeling like um, I get the feeling like I had a, a Wesley Bryan at Bermuda where I was just riding a guy and we got to just like what seemed like the prime pinnacle spot and the whole world jumped on and the bandwagon just crashed into the mountain. Um, I'm hoping that doesn't happen with Gim. Um, but he's played so well. You said 18th at RSM plus 3.7 with the ball striking. 14th at Bermuda, 23rd at Sanderson Farms, plus 3.7 with the ball striking. Um, and prior to that, it was like eh, a little inconsistent hit or misses, but that's when we kind of started seeing him to trend upward. And now he just seems um, like he's playing consistently. The ball striking has been good. And like I've talked about at past events with him, I mean, all the all the pedigree of Hovland, Wolf, and, and all these other guys just got off to a lot slower start. And he's playing good, and the price just doesn't seem like it's going up as quickly as it should. Um, But because of that, the ownership is really going to be there. Um, I would expect him to be one of the highest owned plays. Definitely in this range and maybe all all together, I I think 20% easy. Easily. Yeah. And that's okay. It's just this is where we have to be cognizant of correlation in our lineups and things like that. If you play JT – and Doug Gim, you got four spots to do something different uh, because people are going to go there. He makes sense. He's playing great. The one thing that I like, though, and it's not to take away from him. I, I think he's a, more than a fine play. You have some really interesting pivots that are going to be a fraction of the ownership in the exact same range. Guys, I want to throw out there and feel free to reject all of them at once. <laughs> Aaron Wise, Denny McCarthy, Charlie Hoffman, Pat Perez, uh, 
are these are the type of guys that you'd be willing to go to if they're one eighth the ownership, one fifth the ownership? Uh, yeah, for sure. The guy that caught my eye uh, of those guys you named was Hoffman. Yeah, at seventy three hundred. Um, I'll start off. He has the not that I give any care to course history, but he has the wildest course history you're ever going to see. One year in twenty fifteen. And then he's missed the cut the next five straight years. <laughs> uh, so I don't know what to make of that. Good thing I really don't uh, care about course history. But he's been playing well. 23rd at RSM, good ball striking. 29th at Houston, gained 5.2. Missed the cut at Bermuda, missed the cut at Shriners. But prior to that, he was on a good run uh, uh, leading into those two events. Sixth at Sanderson Farms, plus 3.6. 14th at Punta Cana. If you go even farther back than that, there was kind of signs of him trending in the right direction. Um, so I think, you know, he's played really well outside of the two, the back-to-back missed cuts. Um, but yeah, I just think this is a good spot. A guy who for 7,300 has won a few tournaments, one here, um, is playing great. So I, I think consistently, or from a consistency standpoint, um, and from a guy who, if he is playing well and we see him in the mix come Sunday afternoon, we know it can get the job done. Now it's been a while with him. But that stuff doesn't go away, right? I mean, we saw it with Gay. We saw it with Sink. These guys that have won multiple tournaments, and he's not nearly as old as those guys. Um, but when they get in the mix, like, even though it's been five years since they've won, that all still comes in uh, to their advantage. No doubt. And the big thing that I, I, I think is important, and of course it, it depends on the lineup, but if I'm going to pivot off someone like Doug Gim, who, who checks a lot of boxes, I want to know that I have the chance, not saying it's going to happen, that if I get it right, I get it really right. And someone like that, someone like Charlie Hoffman, yeah, could he just make a cut and come in like 40th? Of course, but he has real equity to get it going, to pay off in a huge way where you really, really take advantage of the risk that you're going to incur. Because there's no doubt in my mind that Doug Gim is safer and makes more sense than most of the guys in this range. That's why he's really popular. Can you blindly go to Pat Perez he is playing as bad as you can play or do you think the form is so bad that even though this is a course that we know he likes uh, it's not worth it yeah I mean I don't think so that's just not a play that I normally make especially in a range where there's a ton of guys that I like there's a ton of guys that I can make a case for based on their form based on their ball striking with him it's like boy you're just saying he he plays well here uh, you know, the guy loves past Palom. I believe he won at CIMB as well. It's like you get this guy on this odd surface. Or I don't know if he has. I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up. Has he won CIMB? I'm, I don't mean to put you on the spot. At I know Perez? He's like, I know he's like a, yeah, Perez. Isn't yeah, like I believe he did. Past Palom, God. Yeah, he um, did win CIMB. Yeah, but no, I don't. It's just not for me. That's just, it's just not a play that I'll ever make. Um, it, Malnati's not a guy that I like, but 7,300 based on how well he's played and where he has been priced. And I know he, we felt like he was extremely overpriced a few weeks back. Um, I don't know. I just noticed that at 7,300, it's, he's not, still not playing bad. It's not like he's crashed down to earth. He's cooled off a little bit, but the price has come way, way down. And, you know, the course fit is fine, but he, I'm not a big Malnati guy. I just noticed that right now. Yeah, I mean, he. it's tricky because for him to really excel, it's similar to Denny McCarthy. He has to gain a lot of strokes putting. He does a lot. His ball striking, it, it showed flashes when he really popped earlier in October, but I don't love going to guys where I know that they really need to lean on that putter. It's not to say you can't do it. I do want to bring up one other guy in this range, then we'll get to the cheapies. And this is the same concept as Sink and those guys. Do you think that Kyle Stanley found something or do you think that was just a complete shot in the dark? He gained eight strokes on the approach in, you know, to result in his best finish in a very long time. Last time out 7,100. Do you have any interest in a guy long-term who's one of the better players in this field? Yeah, I know. He's been a tough guy for me to get a grasp on. Um, Approach game was good off the tee was really bad. Um, not that off the tee is going to be important this week. Um, you know, I don't know. He's He's been a confusing guy because he's been a little bit all over the map. I'm looking back, you know, you'd have to go back. Safeway, the ball striking was good. 3M, the ball striking was good. I, I think there's just other guys that I prefer in this range. I try not, just like I try not to make too much of a missed cut. 
uh, I'm trying to get in the habit of not making too much of a guy that comes out of the blue and has like a really good one, really good week with the irons. A lot of times, I don't know if that's really an indication of he's turned a corner or what. So I, I think I'm going to go other directions. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't mind taking another stab at Ollie. Um, I liked him. At, well, I mean, I liked him at Bermuda and, you know, he, he plays well at these types of courses. Uh, good finish at RSM, good finish at Harbor town. And then he played really well at Bermuda coming off a couple of miscuts on corn ferry tour. He's just, he, he's really all over the place. He's kind of like an HV3 where you never know what you're going to get out of him. So he played well at Bermuda, went back, missed the cut at Houston. And I mean, even if you look at his results this year on the Corn Ferry Tour, there's a ton of top tens. There's a ton of missed cuts. Um, I, I, I just think he's a talented guy. I think he's got a lot of upside. I think the course fit is good. And I think after missing the cuts at Houston, I don't, I don't think very many people will go back to him here. I don't love him, but I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. I don't think the, the good thing I, I don't relate this to Houston. The around the green game was like out of control. I don't relate this to what we're going to see here at all. Um, the The positives for Ollie is when you roster him, you have a real chance that he can carry a team. It's just the, the miscut equity is gigantic. You have to know that he's not safe in any capacity. There's much better guys. If you've already leveraged, I would strongly recommend going probably honestly to Doug Gim, try to find the money or, or try to find someone who's playing a little better. If not though, you could, you could roll the dice. Anyone else before? Well, okay. We got a, your boy Camillo. Uh, you must've felt pretty good that he was just putting God like you, like you predicted, right? Yeah. You know what? You just got to put yourself in a position to get lucky. Um, Damn right. I, I was ended up being in the position of praying to God. He didn't win. Uh, Cause I didn't bet him to win and I would have uh, probably jumped that would have been a very high building had he actually won it was like rooting for him to a certain point um you know I mean everything that I said about him going into RSM it it applies here because this is a very similar course um you know now the thing that I don't like is that RSM the ball striking was just average and the short game was really good and that's what carried him um but he loves these types of courses. The places he want, he's won have been similar to here. If you look at his stats on the whole, on the year, the approach game has been amazing. Um, I think the price is good, but it's just, to me, look, I mean, he was 6K and 1% owned and he played great. Now he's 7K, he's going to be 8% owned. That's just not a play that I normally go back to. Yep. The time to play him was when you were all over it. Credit to you, like... Yeah, that opened the door for a lot of things. All right. All the other expensive guys were terrible that week, so it didn't matter. <laughs> it really didn't, but that's neither here nor there. That's how we got to frame. You know, it's like a, it's like a catcher. You got to frame those strikes. Uh, all right, here we go. It is time for the cheapies chat. Uh, if we don't get to all of them, like I said, tomorrow night, me and Jason Roslin doing what we can. We're going to push these likes over 52. That's an easy number. No, this is an NFL level, but we got to do what we can for the PGA show. Keep it in front of the paywall. There's some names down here, Tim. You mentioned at the beginning of the show, part of the reason you like Justin Thomas is because there are real players in the sixes. And we say this often in a field like this, how different are some of these guys from the mid sevens to even the low eights in some spots? So what catches your eye? Uh, if you have to pay down in the 6K range. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys here. I think the the problem with a lot of them is you, you know, as you would expect on guys below 7K is from a consistency standpoint. Um, it's just not there as much. Uh, 6,800, Will Gordon missed the cut at RSM. You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure kind of what to think of him. He just caught my eye, I guess, from a talent standpoint. We're still trying to figure out, like, how good he really is. Um, but I don't mind him there. Another guy that just kind of caught my eye as far as finishes, um, I've never really known what to think of is Roger Sloan at 6,700, but he's been good. T23 at RSM, T16 at Bermuda, T32 at Sanderson Farms. The ball striking has been decent in all three. I guess the main problem that I have with him is if I'm punting, I either want to take a young guy that might be inconsistent with a lot of upside or it's like, fine, we'll take one of these old veterans who knows how to win and hope he can scratch out a win. Sloan is neither. He's like this middle-aged journeyman who's never really done too much. And I 
tend to not love a guy like that because it feels like a Rob Oppenheim. It's like, what, what are we really doing here? But caught my eye with three, three straight decent finishes. Um, but really, the, the play below 7K is Wesley Bryant, obviously, at 6,600. We double back after he killed everybody at Bermuda. Um, but we're not going to overreact to one miscut when he had been trending. I mean, he'd been trending for weeks, months. Um, the off the tee has been a lot better. The approach has been good. We know the short game's good. I feel like a broken record. This is as close to Harbor Town as you can get based on guys, Kucher, um, Gay, GMAC have all won here. Um, it's as close as you can get. And I'm not going to throw away four months of golf that's been trending upward based on one miscut at Bermuda where we don't even have stats and we don't know what happened there. So I'm going right back to him. Um, not to mention Bermuda, but that was one of the weeks for the, the golf final. And I was very in tune because Wesley Bryan was on my team. It was absolutely brutal conditions. The wind, it was like 30 miles an hour. That's not to say he couldn't have handled it and he should have, but it was weird conditions. There's a guy in this range, Tim. I'm just going to read this off. His best finish ever, he was a runner-up at RSM. His second best finish, he was third here in 2018. His other best finish was sixth at Heritage. It's JJ Spawn. Our boy, JJ Spawn. He's not playing great, but he's shown a little form, and he is one of my favorite true, true puns, true flyers of the week. He's the type of guy we don't see consistency on tour, because the tour goes to all sorts of courses and he just can't handle a lot of them. It, these are the type of events where he makes, this is how he keeps a card. Uh, he's been banged up here and there. The, you look at 2020, it's obviously been a rough year, but he's shown he can do it uh, at this level. I like him in this spot. I'm not saying you need to go crazy, but for me, he's someone I'll play in the 6k as a deep flyer. Yeah. I mean, you don't really have to say too much to talk me into jj spawn one of yeah i know you love uh, my favorite players on tour um probably because you, uh, you got me into him um and he's he's been trending there there's no doubt there's been signs of life it's been a long time since he played well um but the ball striking at safeway was really good plus 7.66 um missed the cut at sanderson farms but gained 3.6 with the ball striking um what gets me though is he regressed at RSM negative four point three, so that's a tough one for me. Um, but I don't mind him. Like you said, this is the perfect course for him, and we've seen signs of life out of him. I wouldn't mind taking a shot, um, but it's not without risk. Oh, there's definite risk, no doubt about it. But again, some of these guys, you're just not going to find consistency. Uh, and actually, it's it's a fine segue. Chat just asked about. Adam Shank, who, yeah, he was consistently making cuts and he wasn't doing anything with them. And now he's honestly playing maybe slightly worse. And he's missed a, He missed a cut at Houston and he wasn't in, in contention at RSM. Uh, I don't see much there. I don't think that he's that different than a guy like JJ Spawn, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, when we said this when Shank was playing, I'll use my air quotes, playing well, um, you know, playing him just because he's making cuts and you're getting a T50 out of him. It, it, at the end of the day, that doesn't help you as much as you think. Um, if you're really trying to win a GPP, it's like, it can be frustrating. It's like, oh yeah, well, this guy made the cut, but I mean, he, he's doing absolutely nothing for me. And that's what we feel like we've gotten out of, out of Shank on, on most of the occasions where he has made the cut. Yes, he's made the cut. He hasn't killed you, but he's really not helping you either. I do want to ask you about, uh, I believe he's a little amateur. He turned professional at the Masters, Georgia Tech guy. So maybe Kucher and some of these other dudes have tutored him. Andy Ogletree. Uh, I genuinely don't play guys that I don't know much about. He's obviously got some pedigree, there's no doubt. Do you have any interest there at 67? Yeah, that's interesting because I thought about him today. Um, because I think a, a leak in my game was not attacking a lot of these really talented guys that we don't know about early when the price is low. Cause I feel like we've missed out, you know, I missed out on the cheap Morikawa, the cheap Wolf, uh, the, the cheap uh, Hovland, you know, I'm trying to make up with, with Gim. Um, but the thing with Ogletree, I don't know. That's a little different to me and I'm not a big time. I don't follow college golf really big time. He was the U S amateur champ, but I don't think he has quite, the amateur pedigree that some of these other guys uh, came in with. And I know he played well at the masters and he won the U S am, 
but I mean, I don't believe he wasn't like a three-time All-American. He's not coming in with a lot of the hype and not that he has to, um, but it's 6,700. I mean, that's, it's not free, you know, he's not 6,100. Um, there are a lot of, you know, good golfers, real golfers down here. Um, and for me, if, you know, if he came in, it was like, oh, three-time All-American, this guy's the next big thing. He's just not coming in with a ton of hype. And I don't think the price is great. Too many other guys, a couple other things I don't love. Uh, some of these guys, even though we didn't know how good they were, they got some starts on tour and they found the weekend and they did. He has done absolutely nothing besides, yes, he played well at the Masters. There's no denying that. That's just a different type of tournament, though, for a lot of reasons. Um, it's an easy cut to make. Now, the, it's very prestigious. It's very difficult in other aspects. But other than that, he has not done anything. And I don't think I'm going to look back on this week and think, oh, my God, I, Andy Ogletree is what I missed out on. When you have guys like Ventura there, he's young, very talented. You've got uh, Wesley Bryan spawn. Who the hell is Quad Cummings? That's that is yeah. They, there's a yeah. They're giving some guys uh, a Kirsten. shot in this tournament. Uh, so there's a couple guys we've never heard of before. Yeah. What about you know to round it out here? We only have a couple minutes left. What do you think of Cameron Percy? Chat Chat has brought him up several times. That's funny because I was going to bring up Cameron Percy, but I didn't want to get the typical Ben eye roll and just like what what is this guy talking? I about? play that guy. Um. So, yeah, I mean, he's been hitting the ball well, uh, plus 1.1 at RSM. Uh, he was 26th at Bermuda, slight positive in the ball striking at Sanderson. He was 8th at Punta Cana, plus 1.7 at Safeway. He's been striking it well. I don't mind at all punting with uh, Cameron Percy. Um, you know, a little bit of the he's never won on tour and he's not a young up-and-comer, so but I mean, we've seen him with the ability to kind of get inside the top 20. I don't mind him. Uh, the other, the other guy I don't mind going back to is Glickich at 6,400 just because he was like, everyone was playing him. He was kind of everyone's favorite punt playing well. He was 11th at Bermuda, 27th at Shriners, 37th at Sanderson farms, 14th at Safeway. Everyone was loving him. And then he missed the cut at the RSM and it's like, okay, so he missed one cut. I'm not going to throw out, you know, six weeks worth of good golf. He's 6,400 in a bad field. I don't mind going right back to him. He's not a preferred play. He's not a guy I'm targeting, but I just think he's a good guy to double back on as a popular dude at RSM who'd been playing well, who just like, well, now he's basically free and no one's probably going to play him. Yeah. I, I mean, I think one of, I don't want to call it a leak, but I, I do find it interesting. A lot of times what happens on tour, if a guy is made, in a row it can't be any misses in there five or six cuts in a row even if all the finishes are not even close to to useful it becomes a thing and then as soon as they miss it's over like shank is another guy he had rattled off 10 in a row he was like 40 percent owned uh in cash and many other small field tournaments as he was ascending then he misses the cut and it's just old news so don't be afraid to buy back especially rsm is one of the hardest cuts to make it's as big a field as we have all year, it's a split course. There's a lot of bad variables in there. Um, so I, the question I always say, and this is something we'll discuss tomorrow night, you have options down here. I don't know if you need multiple guys in this range, unless you're being very aggressive up top. Uh, maybe you're doubling up. Maybe you're going JT and Brooks or something. Then maybe you need two. But if you're not, you can probably end in the Doug Gim range if you wanted to. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of experimented with lineups, and I mean, it's it it feels really safe to just do JT and a bunch of seven K guys. But I mean, they're they're, they're really easy lineups to make. Um, I, I guess I would question: Are you differentiating enough? You you probably want to have some lower owned targets in the seven K range. But I mean, it feels easy because it just feels like a week where boy JT's the obvious guy at the top, and I think a lot of guys are going to go there. Um, but I've also done the other. I mean, I, I think you can make JT and Brooks lineups. Um, it's dicey, but I think there's guys that kind of make it work. Um, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what I think the best best route for roster construction is. I'll have to tune in tomorrow night and get some pointers from you guys. Yeah, that's right. Uh, on that note, though, we're going to duck on out of here. Chat, fun time as always. And it's been a, just an awesome, a tough 2020 for us all, but a fun time every Tuesday that me and Tim get to do this. 
We appreciate it. We are going to be back in 2021, no doubt about it. Obviously, between now and then, we've got you covered for all things, whether it's football, the NBA is starting, college football, college basketball, uh, not just on the DFS side. I've been doing some work on the betting side. I do love to gamble, love to bet, uh, and I do think there's some edges out there. So if you are interested in that, there's no better time to get inside the ropes. We have packages from weekly to monthly to annually. Uh, good luck, everyone. Enjoy Mayakoba tomorrow night, 8.30 Eastern, same time, not same time. That is the time. Me and Jason Roslin, I will see you guys there. Good luck.